Well, good morning. morning. It's good to see you. Hey, we're going to be in the book of Galatians and uh, in chapter 2. If you can grab your Bible and turn there, I'd appreciate that. Galatians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, of course, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. Or maybe someone took that one and took it home because that's a gift to them and they needed it. So you can check down the pew a little bit or behind you or in the next pew up if you need a Bible. Uh, We are all about reading the Word from the Word and... uh, Totally okay if you have a tablet or a phone that you're on a Bible app with, right? Check that out too. They're, they're helpful. Uh, I, I would have mentioned this, if you can write, you can write this down on your sermon notes on top. If you are a phone person, an app person, uh, there's a great Bible resource out there called the Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible. I have it on my phone and uh, it, it connects to many different translations. Uh, the, the HCSB that we use, or it's now going to, by the way, the CSB, right, they're dropping the H. Uh, the CSB is on there, uh, but there's others, other translations. And then, then there's the, the concordance, the interlineal concordance is there. There's cross-referencing available. So uh, it's, it's actually a tool I use as a study helps when I'm preparing sermons. So um, it, it's a great, great resource. It's a free download from the app stores. Uh, Blue Letter Bible, or BLB, is, uh, is what you can go check it out, okay? Blue Letter Bible. I want to make sure, I, don't, I, I didn't hear announcements. Did Ryan, did you got it? Did they know? about it. So we were, I was in the back and someone said, who was Aiden? Aiden came out in the, in the lobby and said, there's a spider. Uh, did you, anyone see that today? Kieran saw it. There was a spider, right? And I, in the lobby, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm in the lobby and I can see it through the, I mean, from back there, I could see that thing right here. And I don't, oh man, I don't like spiders. I just don't like spiders. So I'm just going to check it out and make sure Ryan didn't like Ryan threatened to plant it somewhere, and you know how Ryan gets, you know, I don't know. So I, so good. It was, okay, it's in the napkin. Very good. Thank you. Still don't trust you. It's okay. I told you the story where, where teacher Chris planted a spider, well, no, she had a spider at the office, and then I think, was it Ryan and Alistair, I don't know, some, it ended up in my office at one point for several hours before I finally saw this spider, and it wasn't just a spider. This is a pet tarantula. I've never jumped so high and ran so fast in my life, ever, ever. It's amazing what fear does, doesn't it? It's amazing. Even now, I'm just like, man, got the jitters here. I make sure it's not here. <sighs> At my home, I try to be brave. I try to be strong. All right, I use a shop vac to take care of spiders. <laughs> Stay away from them. It's amazing what makes us scared. Today, we're going to be talking about that, and as we go into uh, the Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 11, it's going to be uh, pretty evident that there was some fear mixed in with this message of the gospel in, uh, in Peter's life and, and certainly with our life. And, and you know, as, as it was funny because today I'm thinking, God, I need, a, I need this illustration, this, this, this segue, this, this story to tell that would help us understand fear. And I didn't have one until I looked through the window from the lobby and saw a spider. <laughs> All right. I'm, thank you, God. That is because I, I am legitimately a little nervous right now. That's okay. If you see something crawling up, just let me know and don't, please don't just play a prank on me. All right. All right. So we are in Galatians chapter two. We'll, we'll be beginning in verse 11, but we'll catch us up a little bit. We, we've seen that Paul is, is attending to the Galatian churches saying, listen, you, you've seen the gospel, you've heard the gospel, you've responded to the gospel. And now that we've built you up, we leave and we hear that these other folks, these Judaizers, these people who who embrace the gospel message plus, right, Jesus plus something else, 
are invading and trying to, trying to convince you that, that what you did believe is not enough. It's not true. Right? Our series, our theme in Galatians is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Right? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So basically, Jesus equals everything. And when someone tries to add something to the gospel, they add, they add something or they add everything to Jesus. It is actually what is nothing. Right? There's nothing there. There's nothing found when we add something to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no power in that. And, and we saw last week was really neat. We saw the, the, that, that gospel had been preserved for you and preserved for me. That even though people try to get in and undercut it and undermine it, and it was really a pain to Paul because he had done so much work and he, he was trying not to work in vain and then have it undercut, right? And people be led astray. He wanted the truth of the gospel, which he knew was true and convinced it was true and through time has been preserved. He wanted it to go forward in that region and not to be undermined as it was being. So he had to write this letter and had to, had to give several illustrations and several stories and several, several uh, works of credibility to the people there to say this is what's important. The gospel message and its purity is important. And, and here's how you see that lived out. And we saw some unity uh, that was developed because of the preservation of the gospel last week. And, and today we go right from that, right from when Paul goes to Jerusalem with Titus, right? Exhibit A, Titus, the uncircumcised Greek who was a follower of Jesus Christ, who had no, no compelling to go be circumcised in order to have salvation. He didn't add anything to the gospel. And so he, Paul takes, takes Titus up to Jerusalem and says, if you all here want to believe God, the gospel plus, and if that's really what you're teaching, because they say you are, then I'm bringing Titus, and you tell me what we, should we do with Titus. And if they were teaching something that said Jesus plus circumcision or plus some other ceremony, they would have said, well, let's get this guy circumcised first, and then we can talk. But they didn't say that. So no, you're right. The gospel's pure. It's Jesus alone. We have a freedom in Christ alone, by faith alone, right? That, that's the hope that we have. So he was able to go back, and they extended the right hand of fellowship to him. And then there's a, a point where the next verse, we see Peter messing up. Peter, who had gone into that council together with Paul and the other apostles and, and elders, had, had came together and reasoned that, yes, the gospel is pure in the form of, of by grace or through grace alone, right, by faith in Christ alone, that it, that's all it is. There's no works associated with it until after as a response, right, to the gospel. And, and the same guy who stood up and said, this is what we believe, this is what the gospel is, in the same, same chapter, the next verse, we find erring in a way. It's not because he didn't believe the gospel. We'll see that today. It's not because he didn't believe. There were right beliefs, but we can have right beliefs at times with wrong behavior, right? And that's what the world calls and the Bible calls a hypocrite. Why are there so many hypocrites? All those hypocrites at that church. And see, we let fear undermine living in freedom of Christ. And what it does is it exposes the gospel to ridicule. Because we say we believe something, that Jesus plus nothing is everything, and we behave in a different way, that we have to earn something or lord it over somebody else. Somebody else isn't better or is, is, isn't as good, good enough. And that's what was happening here in this text. You can't add anything to the gospel. Works righteousness, what we're talking about, adding something, promotes fear and attempts, uh, attempts to enslave us. We saw that in the first part of chapter 2 where they were trying to enslave them back to the bondage of the law and ceremonial duties. Fear is not the model of freedom and unity that we find in the gospel. We find freedom in the gospel instead of fear. So let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to get to work in chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. Father, we're so grateful to be here today. We're so grateful that you love us. 
And God, we want to every day believe more and more the truth and the weight of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be found free in that, and found not with a righteousness of our own by works, but a righteousness that comes through Christ by faith. Fathers, we look at your scriptures today as we open the book, open our hearts to be receptive to, the, to what's in it. Guide us into all truth. Convince us of truth. God, convict us of, of wrong we may be involved in or, or error. Bring us from fear into faith and freedom that we would embrace in awe the gospel and that people around us would see Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So we are in Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11 and reading through the end of the chapter. But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he used to eat with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined in his hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like Gentiles and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found to be sinners, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For, though the, for, for through the law, I have died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Well, there's our text today, and we're going to break that apart. What we're going to find today is this relationship between fear and the gospel. And I, I want us to expose our hearts. I want the text to expose our hearts. That we would understand the areas that you, that you and I may be walking in fear and clouding the gospel message of Christ. All right? So the first thing, let's look at the first relationship between fear and the gospel. Number one is this. Fear can control our faith. Fear can control our faith. You know, I, I talk about this often that we have to have this truth of the word of God embedded in our hearts so deeply that that is what we rely on and that is what leads our faith. Listen, just knowing the hearts of who's here, knowing the lives of what's going on in some of our lives, I understand that life is difficult, that there are great, great highs in life, great victories in life, and there are great, great deep valleys, aren't there? And there's everything in between. And we are an emotional people, and, and it can sometimes get the best of us before we get straightened out with the truth of God's word. But if we don't allow the truth of God's word the truth of the purity of the gospel, to, to lead our faith, we will be directed then by our emotions. And if we are directed by our emotions, our, our faith will look just like our trials and just like our victories. It'll look like a roller coaster. So if your faith is looking like a roller coaster with no stability in it, you may 
be living by fear, or at the very least by emotions, fear being one of them. And so fear can control our faith. We can have the right belief, but we can have the wrong behavior. We can look like a hypocrite. I, I believe in Christ. In Christ the solid rock I stand, all the ground is sinking stand. I believe that, but I don't walk on the solid foundation, the rock that is Christ. I, I walk on the sinking sand instead. I let emotions take over and fear guide and fear will creep in. Look at, look at the text here, 11 through 14. Uh, look at what happened here. But when Cephas, right, that's Peter, he came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He, he was already practicing wrong behavior. For he used to eat with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those of the circumcision party. He feared, right? Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth, right, wrong behavior of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you then compel Gentiles to live like Jews? See, Peter understood there was a freedom he had. He had a freedom that, that he could live just like the Gentiles. He no longer, as a good kosher Jew, had to follow all of these rules and regulations. There was freedom he found in Christ. And he could eat with the Gentiles. Because in that, in that gospel message, the purity of the gospel message, there is unity. Right? There's no longer a difference. Male, female, slave, or free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And there's a freedom there. My old, my old rules and regulations, the things that, that set me apart to look like I, I am a follower of Christ, were, were regulations and ceremonial. Most of them were ceremonial. But what they were doing now is trying to trust in those ceremonial things to get them to heaven. It was a works righteousness thing instead of saying, I, I'm, I'm believing, and it's, it's about faith. So yes, Peter, he ate with the Gentiles, and then when the Gentiles were around, or the Jews were around, he ate with the Jews, and, oh, and, and it made the Gentiles feel like they were sinners again, like like wait, is what we're doing wrong? Peter, wait, you were, you were eating with us, and now you're not anymore. Are we not, are we not good enough? Does God not love us enough? Do we have to do something? And what does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus plus, plus something, plus anything, plus everything. And that equals nothing. So Paul was a little upset that he saw this fear creep in. Peter was there, this pillar of the church. He's behaving in a way that's contrary to, to the gospel, and it was based on fear. Fear was controlling Peter's living faith. Fear was controlling his faith. So what was he afraid of? Why was he being a hypocrite? Well, it all comes down to pride, by the way. And, and I say pride and shame, but it's the same, same sin. It's, it's pride. Either I can be full of myself and, or appear to be full of myself and say I'm better than everybody, or I can feel so terribly about myself it's still about who? If I'm feeling terribly about myself, who am I thinking about? Myself. And that's called pride. So in the shame of how horrible I feel about myself, it's pride. And that keeps me from being free in Christ. And so I believe Peter's fear came from pride. And here's, here's two different ways, and maybe there are more, but maybe you can relate to this. Peter, I think, may have been afraid of conflict. He had the right belief. He knew. He had just got done with his counsel. He said, yes, this is the gospel. It's Jesus only. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He, he was convinced of that. He knew that. But he might have been afraid of conflict. So there were these Judaizers that were there, maybe people he knew, and he didn't want to just get, get in their face about it. He said, let's just let bygones be bygones. Let me, 
let me just lead by example, but he wasn't setting a very good example because he was falling in to the same trap that they were setting, right? It was a snare for them. He, he, he maybe he could, he could avoid a scene, right? He'd really like to avoid a scene. And we talked about this last week, that, that the gospel will drive us to conflict. It will drive us to confrontation because the gospel divides. And some people embrace the gospel and some people don't embrace the gospel. We can't come and be Christ followers and be a united body of Jesus Christ with different ideas about the gospel. And we can't, by not confronting each other, maintain a real and lasting peace. It may feel good for the moment, like, oh, good, I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to talk to that person. I didn't have to bring it up today. I'm okay. It's all good. Is, there, is that peace, though? You're just comfortable for a few minutes. There's real, really no peace between us then. Because you may be believing a gospel and I may not. And that's not peace, right? Now you're a friend and I'm an enemy. And we, and we just want to, well, let's just let bygones be bygones. I don't want to confront, I don't want to push the issue. You see, here's the truth, and we said this last week. Confrontation has to happen when we talk about the gospel. We have to be able to stand for something. Because the gospel stands for everything. And if we can stand on the gospel, even in, confr- in a confrontational way, it can be gentle or it can, might be extreme, but we stand on the gospel. What ultimately happens then is peace. And there's two, two types of peace that will happen. One type of peace is this. I am at peace with myself that I didn't compromise. I don't care what happened to them. They may have rejected it. They may have got, gone away in a huff. They may not like anything I said. But I did not compromise the, the gospel. And in the most gentle, humble, compassionate way, standing on the firm truth of the gospel, I stood the test. The other piece is you stand the test and you, you reconcile that difference and you, you bring a brother or sister back into that freedom they have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now we're united on the same page. We're on the same page. And that's real peace. That's real peace. Remember I talked about fuzzy grace at the beginning of this? Right? There's, I think there's a fuzzy peace too. And Peter was settling for fuzzy peace. He wanted this fuzzy grace, fuzzy peace, just because it it felt comfortable. But what it was doing was actually creating a chasm and a divide with the other believers. So he might have been comfortable with the Jews. He might have been comfortable with the Judaizers. They might have been comfortable with him. Well, they they certainly should have. They won, right? But, But these Gentile believers started to doubt the gospel message that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. They thought they had to add something to it. So are you afraid? Are you afraid of conflict? He, he may have also been afraid of his inability to take a stand with his convictions and that the convictions may not have been strong enough for him to debate and argue. I, I don't know if you feel like this. I feel like this often. I don't know enough. I don't, if I bring this up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause conflict and then we're going to have a debate and I don't have all the answers. I can't convince this person that it's true. And we let fear guide us. You want to know what the truth is? You can't convince that person that it's true. Whose job is it to convince them? It's his spirit, right? It's God's God's job. God's the one who convinces people of the truth of the gospel. You and I just live it by faith and embrace it and love it and stand in awe of it every day. We don't let fear that I may not be able to answer all your questions guide our actions. We just take a stand on the gospel and let the gospel be lived out and people can see it and they can have questions and we may not be able to answer them. Say, I don't really know. I'll try to figure that out for you. But I know it's true. I see it and you can see it in my life. I stand on faith, not on fear. 
I stand on freedom, not on fear. He might have been afraid that, that these Judaizers would have had a better argument. And he, and he couldn't have kept up with them. Maybe there are too many of them. He didn't want to battle that. We tend, to not, we tend to be afraid. Just stand. If you're standing alone, still stand. Because Jesus is standing with you in the gospel. Proverbs 29, uh, 25 says this, The fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. And these Judaizers set that. They said, oh, we're going to set a trap. We're going to make him so afraid to talk that he has to come to our side. And that was the trap. It was a snare. The fear of man is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Are you afraid of not knowing enough? Are you afraid of conflict? Let's, let's get over that. Let's get over our fear. Let, let the gospel push away fear so we can live in peace. Paul says that the others were deviating from the truth of the gospel. That their behavior wasn't lining up. It was out of step with the gospel. The heart of the gospel that Paul was fighting for was that we are justified. right? We are made right with. We are forgiven. We are proclaimed innocent by faith alone apart from works of the law. We are declared innocent, and we can never be declared innocent or just by ourselves or in ourselves. We have all sinned. We're all guilty as charged. We all deserve the full sentence of condemnation, and the answer to that is always Jesus. Amen? The answer to that is always Jesus. He lived and he died to bear our punishment and provide us with a perfection that we could not have on our own, with the righteousness of a purity we couldn't attain by our own. And that purity is by grace, through faith, and in Christ alone, because Jesus plus nothing is everything. It's everything. Faith alone unites us with Christ, not works. So our faith must be rooted and strengthened in the truth of Christ and not in fear. We know who we are and we know whose we are. Christ followers, these Christ followers were free, but their fear was destroying the unity of the gospel. And that goes to number two. That next relationship we see is that fear unravels our unity. Fear unravels our unity. You ever, you ever think, you, know, you have a shirt, like, oh, there's a, there's a thread. I'm going to pull that thread off, Right? And sometimes that works, and maybe you can do it quickly and it's done. And sometimes when you do it quickly and it's, it's just really bad because it just folds up and pulls out, and there's a big hole in there now, right? We unravel things and there's a hole, there's something lacking. And in the gospel, we pull this strand, this cord, it, we unravel our unity. Let's continue in our text, 15 through 17. Uh, Paul says, We are Jews by birth and not, quote, Gentile sinners. Yet we know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because the, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found to be sinners, is, then, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. I want to expound this for you, just kind of explain what's going on here. Fear, fear unravels unity. I mentioned that, that Peter, Peter had a correct belief, but it was not lived out in the right behavior. It was a hip, hip, uh, hypocrisy, right? So he had the correct belief, though, and, and Paul states that here as well. He says in verse 15, we, Peter, we, you and me, we, 
who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, we know, in verse 16, we know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but only by faith in Christ. And we have believed in Christ. See, there is this notion that, yes, Peter knows this, and Paul knows this, and Paul knows that Peter knows, and Peter knows that Paul knows that he knows. You know what I'm saying? There was this deep faith there. There was, a, there was the gospel message was there. And it was real. And Peter understood it. He knew it. But, but what he was doing was unraveling it. He was unraveling it. We know we both share this unity in Christ. We understand our salvation comes by the work of God in Christ. He says, stop acting like, like these Gentiles have to keep up with you and work to earn their favor with God. Stop, stop trying to make them earn their way. What you're doing is trying to tell them that they, they didn't have enough. They needed to give up those foods. They needed to give, straighten up their act. They needed to dress right and come to sit at the Jewish table. Stop telling them they need to do better and live the gospel, Peter. And, and, and so he says this idea of sinners, right? Um, we go there and says, we are not Gentile sinners, I want to explain that by this, that, that when you look at the, the Jewish tradition, you look at the, the law and the ceremonies they followed, they were rigorous, and they tried their best to, to be good at that. And those who didn't do the law, or who weren't in the law, who weren't following and believing that way, the Gentiles, what were they considered? Sinners, right? And it's not that the Jews weren't sinners in need of a Savior, and the Gentiles were, it was they all are sinners, but, but the, the Gentiles were unclean. They were Gentile sinners. They, had these, they were, they were in doing things that, that Jewish followers would say, oh, no, we're not. We've got to remain ceremonial clean, ceremonially clean. We've got to do our best here. There's a difference. There's, there's a difference between Jews and what they believe and what they stand for and, and these Gentiles. There's a difference. But then Jesus, right? Christ shows up, and, and this grace and this this faith is available to not only Jews, but to Gentiles. And it has nothing to do with ceremonially clean. It has everything to do with cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And that we're in Christ, and together we can be united in Christ. So there were, there were these differences in culture and in practice, and then there was Christ. And in Christ, there was this great unity. There's a great unity, and, and, and Peter and Paul had shown, not just with their heads, but in their hearts, but with their hands and their lives, that if you try to work your way to heaven, you will fail. They knew that, and that's how they were all united. We can't work our way to heaven doing these things, and the Gentiles certainly couldn't because they're not doing them, but we can all be united in Christ. We have to cease hoping in ourselves, and we, we trust in Christ alone, not in our works. So there's this difference, and then there's this unity in Christ. And now it starts to be unraveled, because what, what Peter was doing was going back to the Jews and saying, well, oh yeah, well, I'll, I'll follow all these traditions, I'll follow all these rules, we need, we need to have this. When he was just over with the Gentiles, saying, I have a freedom in Christ apart from this ceremony, apart from these laws and these rules and regulations. I don't have to live like that. I, I can live free in Christ. And he enjoyed that freedom with the Gentiles. But when he walked back across the lines... Instead of drawing people together and saying, we can live in freedom, he walked back across those lines and he enslaved himself back into the works righteousness system. And the Gentiles looked and said, man, are we missing something? And Paul said, 
you're, you're making them be sinners again. You're making them be unclean again. You're making us be different and not united again. There's an unraveling that's, happen, that's happening here. We are, we, are, we are free from sin and the ceremonial laws that we had to follow in order to walk towards God. We're free from those. We're free to live in Christ. There's no demand of the works anymore. We don't have to depend on the works. And Christ is not an agent of sin. He's an agent of freedom. He's an agent of freedom. I want to read the rest of that text a little more to you again. Just, we'll go back to verse 16 and 17. Well, 15 says, when we, we are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. So we, we have this law, right? Yet we know that no one is justified by the law, but by faith in Christ. So he says, yes, we had this law. They didn't. They were sinners. We weren't. But really, we're all justified by God. We're all justified by Christ, by faith in Christ. And we believed in Christ Jesus. So we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Stop, stop putting that burden on them. But if, if while seeking to be justified by Christ, so yes, I'm, I'm trusting in Christ, we find ourselves, uh, we, are, we ourselves are found to be sinners in Christ, or is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. And here's what he's saying. He says, if we, while we're seeking to be justified by Christ, that we ourselves are found to be sinners, and, and here's what, that's what Peter was found to be. We, we've been justified by Christ, and and he says, you're going to be a sinner just like the other ones. You're going back to a law system where you can't live up. You're going to be just as unclean as they are. Right? Or, or if we're, if we're, and the other side of it is, we're, now we're saved by grace. And, and now if I want to be free in Christ to the old Jewish ceremonial law, it looks like that when I go back to this, eat with the Gentiles, I'm a sinner just like them. So if I do that, if I go back with my freedom and I eat with Gentiles again and I say, it's not a big deal, the ceremony is not a big deal anymore because we're free in Christ. If I go back and eat with the Gentile sinners and we, we share a unity in Christ alone, is Christ then a promoter of sin? No. Why? Because that's not sinful. Ceremony that we abandoned is not sinful when we eat with Gentile sinners now because we are all one and united in Christ. And, and Christ has fulfilled the law. Amen? That he has done that on our behalf so we can approach him by grace in faith. And trust in what he has accomplished. But when we start looking like we obey this law, when we start trying to climb this ladder back to Jesus, back to heaven, this ladder of works, it will fail. And it will start to unravel the gospel. So if you and I are, are adding to this, people are watching and people are seeing that we are not united. John 17, 21, it's Jesus' high priestly prayer. He says, May they, that is all the followers, right, Jews and Gentiles alike, may they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Not that you sent, God, that you sent a, a, a works righteousness system, that you sent a bunch of rules for us to follow and regulations for us to, to attain to. That you sent me, the world should see that you sent me into the world to save it. And that as they are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, they are united in that. And the more they're united, the world will see the gospel. The world must see Christ's followers united under the gospel. And we, you and I, must continually rejoice every day, both individually and together, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. 
If not, we go to number three. What's that relationship? It's fear obscures the gospel. Fear will obscure the gospel from the view of people around us. They will not see the true message of Christ. Look at verses 18 through 20. It says, If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law I have died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, if I rebuild the system I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. See, what Christ enables us to do by the power of the gospel is to tear down the wall that the law put up and tear down that wall, that, that wall of the law as a means to a right standing with God. See, Paul tore down works righteousness, and he got it out of you. And really, it wasn't just Paul. It was the gospel, wasn't it? God tore that wall down through Christ. And Paul was happy to remove those stones and throw them in a pile. But if we begin to let fear invade, here's what happens. We, we begin to let fear invade. We don't stand in the awe that we should in front of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't see the grace of Christ clearly. And the gospel begins to, to diminish in our view. And then with our lives, we will obscure the truth of it from those around us. You see, we, we build a wall. When we, when we say the gospel is not enough, when, I, when I'm not in, in awe of the gospel and the power of the gospel, when I say it's not enough, I build this wall back up again. And people, first of all, can't see through that wall to the true, truth of the gospel. And secondly, it's a wall that will never be able to reach heaven. It's, it's, a, it's a barrier between us and God, not freedom. Paul had learned through his own long experience. We talked about this. His whole experience, his whole life was to be a strict Jew and keep this law and live in close communion with God. But we, he understood that he had to simply give up on legalism. He had to give up on works righteousness. He says in this scripture that I have been crucified with Christ. Right, The old self that loves to boast in his abilities to keep that law, his old self that loves to boast, what, what happened? It's been crucified, right? He said, the old self has died. I have put to death that old self, wanting to attain my freedom on my own, and I have found a freedom that is only in Christ. Fear has also been crucified with Christ, amen? Fear has been crucified with Christ. When I see that the Savior has offered himself as a perfect sacrifice, and I believe that he really died for me, then my old, proud self that loves to, loves to display a fear-based religion What happens? It dies with me. For I am crucified with Christ. When Christ died, I died. When Christ died, you died. And that old person did as well. And now, because he's risen to newness of life, we have life in him too. And his life lives inside of us. And the, and the, and the rest of Galatians, we'll be talking about this as well, this, this life that looks spirit-filled and spirit-led. It looks alive because Christ is alive. In Colossians 1, verse 27, it says that God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you. See, there's a mystery, Paul says. This mystery is that Christ lives in you. And you and I have died to ourself, died to our pride, died to our ego, died to our sin. We've, we've set that to rest. Now we live in newness of life with Christ 
inside of us. It says that the mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. So why would we let fear obscure the only hope of glory? And that's Jesus Christ. We have to stop living in fear. Finally, number four, this, this relationship we see between fear and the gospel. It's, 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 it's the, this is the good one. This is the good point. That fear flees as we stand in Christ. Fear flees as we stand in Christ. It's not that I won't be tempted anymore. It's not that I won't be, be kind of emotional at some point. But when I take a stand on Christ, it is on the solid rock. Let's look at verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. If that's not a stand, I don't know what is. I do not set aside the grace of God. You and I cannot set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, right? if we set aside the grace of God and we say, let's, let's obey the law, then it says what? Christ died for nothing. What Christ did was nothing. If we follow the law, it's nothing. If we follow our fears, it's nothing. If we lean into grace, if we lean in by faith, if we lean into freedom, then it's everything. And listen, I, I don't know about you, but I want Christ. I want Christ to be everything. I want Him to be everything. I want to let His everything be enough for me and to satisfy me. And I want it to be, be the only hope that I can cling to and stand on. As we close, I want to turn to a passage in 1 John, if you would turn there with me. 1 John's almost to the very end of the book, end of the Bible, right? We have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and then Revelation. We're going to 1st John chapter 4. I want to see that, that how this love of God, this grace of Jesus, pushes fear away. I was just going to read one verse, and I'm like, then I read the passage, I'm like, we have to, we have to read this together. So we're looking at verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7, and we're going to read all the way through the end of the chapter, verse 19. And no, I won't do a little sermon on this. That's next week. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not, uh, does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and His love is perfected in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us from His Spirit, given to us from His Spirit, and we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him and He in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in Him. In this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, for we are as, as He is in this world. 
There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. A deep and rich and glorious passage about God pursuing us and loving us with his perfect love. And and because no one has seen God, God is showing them him through us as he perfects his love in us. God has given us this perfect love in and through Christ. And that love is a love that we receive freely, right? It's, it's by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's what we have. And, and that love pushes fear aside. And then he begins, through our faith, to perfect that love inside of us. And the gospel then, the true, pure message of, of the awe-inspiring Christ, that message progresses forward for his glory. Amen? Let's stand together and pray as we let fear be pushed aside. God, you are gracious and good and and so loving. And, And fathers, we have known and experienced your love because of Christ and what he's done and accomplished for us. May you perfect that love in us. May we May we run to that love every day, understanding that that it's only by your grace that we can lean into you and trust in you by faith. That what you have done is enough for us. And God, help push aside the fear in our lives. That we would not just push it, we would hurl it aside. We would throw it as far away as we could see. God, that you would invade. That you would change us. That you would mold us and conform us more into the image of the Son so that people would see grace and people would see Jesus and people would know freedom and not fear. And we trust you and pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close, let's respond.